Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Happy Halloween, or at least I'm recording this on Halloween. Probably a delayed Happy Halloween to you if you listen to this sometime in the next few days. It's kind of a gray, rainy day here in Chicago, but I'm sure we will have trick-or-treaters at our home fairly soon. So I hope you are well as we enter, continuing to go into this season of fall. Today we are continuing our sermon series here at our church called What's in Jesus' Wallet as we look at faith and finances. And I'm reading today from the Gospel of Luke. This is chapter 12, verses 13 through 25. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? May God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. So this week, as I was preparing this sermon, I was at first thinking of ways that we get greedy with our stuff. And I was originally going to tell a story about how uh, my, our kids put their names on things like books or toys. I think we probably have all done that in some area of our life. Maybe we still do. We label things so that people know this is ours. And so as I was working on my sermon uh, just on Friday, I was on a flight home from a conference in Orlando, and I was really reflecting on you know, what is ours and who owns what. And I was thinking about how can I encourage people to be more generous and selfless And the flight attendant came by and at first gave us the little food goodies that we receive on the plane before they gave us our beverages. And she gave me a bag of Ritz toasted chips and a bag of Southwest honey roasted peanuts. The woman who was sitting on the window next to me was asleep, and so she got nothing. And so later on, when the woman or when the flight attendant came back with beverages, the woman in the seat next to me had woken up. And my first reaction, this is just awful, my first reaction was I took the bag of Ritz toasted chips and the honey roasted peanuts that were kind of in the seat between us, and I kind of just brought them a little bit closer to me as if the woman knew that this is mine, by the way. You were sleeping. You lost your chance just in case you didn't know that. And I had to laugh at myself. I mean, I was literally working on this sermon, literally reading this passage that I just read to you, and my gut reaction is, "Uh, but this food is mine, and maybe the flight attendant will 
bring you yours, and I don't know if I want to share what I have. It's pretty ridiculous. You know, we laugh perhaps at children when they put their names on things. We have some books at home that both of our kids have written their names, large letters, so they know this is my book. But we all fall prey to it. We fall prey to that temptation where we say to ourselves, this is mine. Whatever this material possession that we have, we think to ourselves, this is mine. I am the owner of this. I need to put my name on it. I need to label it. I need to insure it. Maybe put it in my will so that I can decide who gets my stuff when I'm, when I'm gone. Now, none of these behaviors or, or actions of naming or labeling or insuring are bad in and of themselves. But what gets us into trouble is when we believe that what we have is actually ours, that we actually do own that. Now, that might seem confusing to you because, well, if I don't, own it. If it's really not mine, then whose is it? As I noted earlier, we are just starting this sermon series where we reflect on finances and how it reflects on our faith. And today we're particularly looking at what does it mean to be a financial planner and plan for the future? And also, what does it mean to, to have things, as perhaps we read about in this parable today? It's important, I think, to talk about one of my basic assumptions about faith, and it stems from the very beginning of the Bible. In Genesis, it talks about God as creator, God creating everything, and giving us the daunting responsibility of stewarding that creation. This was a really awesome, amazing, generous thing that God has done for us to create this and then give the first humans here, I want you to steward it. I want you to take care of it, even at some Point early on, God gives humans the ability, ability to name things. And it's not just the creation that God has done this. And it's not just the creation that God, in a sense, is the quote-unquote owner of. But instead, God is the first creator that this all belongs to God. And it's not just this earth, not just the, the waters, but it is everything There is the passage from the Psalms that sums it up very nicely that says, The earth is the Lord's, which we hear from creation. But then this passage from the Psalms goes on. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. The earth is the Lord's. We can buy into that. We enjoy the story of the creation, yes. And then, and all that is in it. So every living thing, yes, and every material possession, too, is God's. This is one of those verses, I'm afraid, that is not figurative. But I believe we take this literally. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. God is, in a sense, the owner. Everything, inevitably, belongs to God. And yet, God has generously given us the ability to steward all of the things that we have. I believe God has given us the ability to make a living, to earn money. God has given us so many things so that we can use our faculties to be able to to earn that living and to buy homes, to rent apartments, to wear clothes, all of these things. But If we reflect on this deeply and seriously, we go back to the beginning. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. That's kind of hard to wrap our heads around a little bit. 
And it's certainly hard for the figures in this parable that Jesus tells from Luke. So let me again remind you, I said this last week, and a little aside here about the parables. So in the book, Tell It Slant, a conversation on the language of Jesus in his stories and prayers by Eugene Peterson, he reminds readers that we may think that parables are are cute stories used to make a point, but Peterson notes that they do much more. So here again, I've quoted this last week, but I'm going to quote it every Sunday just so we are reminded what parables are. So Peterson says, a parable is not an illustration. We cannot look at a parable as a spectator and expect to get it. A parable does not make a thing easier. It makes it harder by requiring participation by entering into the story. So again, when Jesus tells a story, he is inviting those who are listening to enter into and wrestle with what Jesus is saying. He is not saying just sit back, relax, and just Take this as a good old-fashioned story told round the campfire. Instead, Jesus wants people to lean forward and really immerse themselves in this parable to see, where do I fit here? That's the question for us. As we reflect on this parable that Jesus tells about this rich man, it's pretty clear that the rich man struggles with this concept of ultimate ownership, this sense that everything belongs to God. I don't know if you noticed at all when I read this passage, the number of pronouns with I or my here. Just a quick look at them. I found seven at least. Notice again, the rich man says, what will I do? I have no place. Here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, my grain and goods. I'll say to myself. So we have here somebody who has a very healthy, (laughs) perhaps too healthy, sense of self and everything that he has and has earned. And he says to himself, all of this is because of what I have done and because of who I am. I don't want us to read this passage and think that, um, that God or the church is against financial planning for planning for the future, but instead it's getting at the root of where this man is coming from. The man thinks that he is the creator and that he is the ultimate owner of everything. Therefore, he can utilize everything that everything that really belongs to God, but that this rich man has taken for himself and said, I'm going to use everything only for my own benefit and my own enjoyment. And I'm going to forget about anybody else in my surroundings. There are passages in the scriptures where we see people who are planning for the future. We see this in the story of Joseph in Genesis planning. But Joseph does not do this kind of long-term planning just for himself. But Joseph does this for all of those in the land around him. You know, it's hard not to be tempted like the rich man here. I think we all have to think what you and I own is really ultimately ours. And if we believe that we are the owners, then I think this leads or can lead to selfishness, as we see in this parable. If if I have mine, if this is mine, if it belongs to me, it's pretty rare then that we are satisfied with just this much. We begin to let our eyes wander a bit to think, what else is out there that can belong to me? And we forget about a selflessness. We forget about how we are called to be generous toward all. And instead, I think part of this, too, when we think about the material possessions that we do have, we need to use careful discernment about how we utilize them to first acknowledge that, again, God is the, in a sense, owner of it all, that 
the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. And then what I want us to think about is there's a really wonderful spiritual practice um, done by people who are fans of the Saint Ignatius, of Saint Ignatius, who was a, a man who lived in the 16th century. Uh, and we get a lot of really wonderful spiritual practices today. I use some of them myself. And there's a phrase for them. It's sometimes called detachment or even indifference. Now, when we hear detachment or indifference, those are often negative words that come to our mind. It means that we don't care at all if we're detached or if we're indifferent. But really, uh, maybe a better word, this comes from a, a spiritual writer named Margaret Silf from an Ignatian uh, spirituality website. And she knows that maybe a better word would be balance. Ignatius says that we are to make use of those things that help to bring us closer to God and leave aside those things that don't. To make use of those things that help to bring us closer to God and leave aside those things that don't. In other words, I think one way to look at this is really to kind of hold on loosely to everything that we own and acknowledge then that everything that we have belongs to God. And so therefore, we do not cling to it. We do not grasp onto it tightly, but we hold on to it loosely. I'm going to use an example in worship tomorrow uh, based on an egg toss. So if you've ever done an egg toss before, maybe at a carnival or a fair or a backyard game, and you know that when you toss the egg to somebody else, when you catch that egg, you are not just grabbing at it because, of course, otherwise that will make a huge mess. But instead, you are using your arms to just receive this softly, this egg, because you know it could break. So in a in some sense, you want to hold on to it, make sure that it's okay, but you're not grasping onto it too tightly. And I think that's a really wonderful way for us to think about how we should utilize everything that we have, all of our material possessions, our bank accounts, everything. If we believe all of this belongs to God, we hold on loosely to think, how will God use this? How can I, in a sense, be indifferent to everything I have, knowing that God may want to use it in a way that at times may seem uncomfortable. Because that initial urge that we have is, but everything I have is, is mine. And that maybe God will get a little bit of it. Even we may think I feel pretty good, I tithe, I give 10% of my income, which is great. But then we think, but that other 90%, that's all mine. But I believe God says, well, actually, it, it's all mine. And I'm giving it to you to, to utilize, to enjoy, but to hold on to it loosely because you never know when it might need to be used by someone else. So we can be generous toward those who need things perhaps more than we do. And when we think about that, I think it totally changes our concept on our possessions and what we have. If we know that what we have really doesn't belong to us, I think that engenders in us a little bit more generosity to think, how can I share what I have and give away perhaps some of the things that I have, maybe a lot of things that I have, because there is someone else in need. And it also sways us or moves us away from a sense of greed and, and wanting to accumulate more, but instead engendering in us a desire perhaps to give away rather than accumulate So again, we ask ourselves the question or the demand or the commandment that Jesus makes near the end of this parable. When Jesus says, 
it is when G or when in this in the parable when God says, "You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be?" So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. So that's the the call to us in this passage, the question that we ask ourselves: Are you rich toward God? How will I do my own planning of what I have if I am not the ultimate owner? Will I be rich toward God? Other passages in the Gospels talk about ways that we can be rich toward God. In the Good Samaritan, it tells us that we use our resources to benefit those in need. Sometimes it means that to being rich toward God, it means that we are intentionally listening to God's word. Sometimes it means that we are prayerfully trusting that God will provide the needs of life which we read about here in our passage today as well. Sometimes being rich toward God means that we sell our possessions, that we give alms or give money as a way to establish lasting treasure in heaven. These are all examples that we are given that are given to us in the Gospel of Luke of ways that we can be rich toward God. So the question is, how will you be rich toward God? I think the vast majority of us have made a living. We have things. And if we believe that everything belongs to God, then we ask ourselves, how will I use these things to be generous? How will I do my own financial planning? How will I use my bank account, my home, the food in my refrigerator, all of these things as a way of being rich toward God? Last year, there's a church in the neighborhood of where we're currently worshiping an urban village called LaSalle Street Church. And it recently, along with three other churches, sold a share in a residential development and LaSalle Church received $1.6 million in the selling of this development. And so one of the first things that the church did was a pretty amazing thing. It gave a tenth of that $1.6 million to its members, gave it back to its members. So about 320 people gave them each $500. Each member got $500. And the story that I read about it in the local newspaper, the Chicago Tribune, talked about that some people, I mean, really, really took pains to discern what should I do with this money. The pastor had told them simply, do something good with it. But so many people wonderfully took care and discerned and prayed, what should I do with this money? And I would have to guess that they took this care and this time because they sensed this is money that was literally given to me by the church. There's a real responsibility and duty here. Maybe they saw this money as somewhat more sacred than the money that we typically uh, think about. And so it told these stories that people really, really prayed about this. And maybe many of them gave it to another nonprofit. Some people tried to multiply it so that they could increase what they wanted to give to another nonprofit that was doing wonderful um, ministry with those who were in need. But an interesting thing was at the end of the article, it said that... The pastor went to the bank to close this account. They had given this money, they wrote checks, $500 to all these individuals, and they discovered that nearly 330 people had never cashed their checks. So it's about $15,000. And the pastor talked about, wondering, had different ideas for that. She said, she said that maybe some thought by doing nothing that they were giving back to the church. They said, just let the church keep it. But she thought that's kind of a minority a minority. And the woman's or the pastor's name was uh, Laura Truax. And she said this, she says, many of us are paralyzed that someone has put their trust in us. 
What does that tell us about the place of fear in our lives? What can we do if we simply move past our fear? If we just refuse to fear instead of being paralyzed, how powerful it would be if we could just move in any direction. So one individual, one member of the church talked about his own struggle, said he deposited, he cashed his checks, put it in his, in his uh, bank account, but admitted he had, didn't know what to do with it. And he said, I don't want to be the guy who just buried the talents from the story of the parable of people who had been given uh, resources and told to multiply it. He says, I don't want to just bury this while I can't make up my mind. He said he doesn't view it as a $500 decision. He wants to find a cause in which he can invest his time and energy and perhaps more money. So he wanted to see this as a launching pad toward other things. What a really interesting exercise this was for all of these individuals to receive this money, $500. And many of them really thought, wow, I really need to pay attention and discern how am I going to use this? And many of them giving it away to somebody else. And others were a little bit paralyzed because they didn't know what to do with it. There may have been a couple of thought, $500. You know, I've been looking at that big screen TV. I have no idea people did that, but certainly there's probably that temptation for all of us. What if we had that same attitude about everything that we have? And I think that gets at what Jesus is saying here when he says, are you being rich toward God? Are you acknowledging that God is the one who is the ultimate provider, that everything belongs to God? And then if we, have, if we, if we believe that, then do we hold on loosely then to everything that we have, have this sense and feeling of discernment of an indifference and detachment saying, what do I have can be used for good and, and what are other things perhaps that I don't need or can be shared with others? And so, will you be rich toward God? Will you not just take an individual gift perhaps from some church or some other individual, but everything? Will you use that careful discernment on how you can be generous with what God has given to you? And I think if we have that, it radically changes how we see everything that we have. So my prayer for you this week is to hold on loosely to everything, to pray about and ask myself, ask yourself this question, how can I be rich toward God this week and beyond with the multitude and abundance that God has given to me, that God, the ultimate provider, has given to me? How can I be rich in return? May God be with you in that discernment and in your acting out of it. Amen. Be thou my Friends, thank you for listening. I'm always grateful for your support. For those who are following me, you can follow me or reach out to me. Uh, email chris at urbanvillagechurch.org. You can also follow me on Twitter at Christian Kuhn. I'm happy to respond and react and any way, any questions that you might have. And so until next week's podcast, I hope that you have a blessed week, that you have a sense of the richness that God shares with you and that you will return it in an, return that in an equally generous way. May the peace of Christ be with you. And thou my true word, I